Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brew Church Podcast. My name is Fabian. I am your host, and I'm glad that you are listening. If you would, please hit the plus button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify as a way to help more people find this audio content. This audio is recordings from our Sunday gatherings. And if you would like to support what happens here on this podcast or in the Brew Church community in general, there's a giving button in the description of this. Uh, We hope that this is helpful for you and that you gain some good tools to lead to a life of abundance. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? As I do the splits over a speaker, Merry Christmas. Uh, Super excited to be here. My name is Fabian. This is, as Ben said, our second annual Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, We had some people last year uh, call it, um, what was the term that they used? I forgot now, Um, but it's from a show. Festivus, yeah, Festivus for the rest of us. That, so that's what basically it's it. It's it's the time when you get together with all your friends and have a bunch of fun. We're gonna do karaoke after this, um, and you know just continue the fun night. So um, yeah, so that's what it is. It's a Festivus. But um, I wanted to take a little moment and share with you a brief reflection on why I think the Christmas season is so special. And to boil it down into one sentence is because there's this sort of magic that you experience during the Christmas season that seems to be a little bit more present this time than in other times. Um, One author that uh, I really like, enjoy, uh, used a term that I thought was really interesting. He called it a breaking experience. Or it's these experiences that break the monotony of life and for moments connect us to something beyond ourselves, or they connect us to each other in really profound ways. And an example that he gave as he talked about breaking experiences was uh, uh, watching those sappy commercials um, that make you start to cry while you're sitting on your couch in the middle of the Super Bowl, and like you have to apologize to your friends because you're just like, I don't know why I just got so emotional. I'm so sorry. Um, that commercial just kind of moved me a little bit. That's what happens to me when the BK commercials come on. Uh, <laughs> you rule. <laughs> just brings tears to my eyes, you know, masterpieces. Um, but no, for real, uh, one of the ones that did it for me was, does anybody know the Farmer's Dog commercial? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. Okay, if you go watch it, you're going to cry. Um, <laughs> but basically, it's this commercial of this girl uh, growing up with her dog. So she got her dog when she was really young. And so the dog was a puppy, and she was young. And then they grow up, and then she goes off to college and has to say bye to the dog, like in Toy Story 3, when Andy has to leave all the toys behind. And you're like, why is it ending? Why did Toy Story 3 happen? Um, it just made me cry. And then she comes back, and then she has a baby, and the dog is like laying in the bed with her and her kid. It's like such a sappy commercial, and it's so good. It's supposed to sell you dog food. It does a really good job <laughs> at it. <laughs> but, but we get emotional in these moments because we're witnessing something true, but a different kind of truth. Not the kind of truth where you sort of put the ideological ideas that you believe on a list and then there's people that are on one team and people that are on a different team. This is the kind of truth that unites us. This is the kind of truth that brings solidarity. This connective happening that awakens us to see that we are not alone. 
Another example of this is uh, when a group of strangers is unanimously filled with joy as they watch fireworks go off into the sky on 4th of July. And just like everyone collectively at the same time is like, woo! You know, that one that happens and everybody is just like, yeah, that was cool. America, we blow stuff up. Um, that was, I didn't, I didn't want to go sociopolitical. Sorry, that was, uh, <laughs> that was double, double meaning in that. Um, but I feel like these moments happen more often during this season, right? Like, for example, going to see Christmas lights and feeling that, that, that sense of awe, that warmness that you have. Or watching someone open a gift that you were, like, super excited for them to open and you have that collective joy as they open it and you're like, yes, nailed it this year. I got it and they're happy and you're happy and it's just this collective moment, right? Or you're jamming out to your favorite holiday music, whatever whatever it is. Um, I say holiday because one of my favorite songs actually to listen on uh, to on the holidays is a Hanukkah song. Um, it's so good by Adam Sandler. Highly recommend if you've never heard it. It's joyous. Um, or all, all those Christmas movies, right, with, with those themes that sort of move us to our core. They just do something because they're tapping into that human experience, that sense that we're not alone in the world. It's like that magic is a bit more tangible. It's a bit more present during this time. And that's especially true for kids, right? Like, have you ever been around kids during the Christmas season? Like, it is truly a magical time, all sorts of magic happens. But as we grow up, it seems like that magic becomes a little bit less tangible. Like it seems to lessen a little bit. Um, and it's, it's natural, right? Like we have less time. Um, <laughs> we're, we're tired. Um, we have all these responsibilities. Um, it's harder to be present sometimes because our minds are sort of running with all the things that we have to do. The world becomes more practical, and we move away from the sense of playfulness as if the world is our sandbox that we just get to enjoy to the series of transactions that we do to just get to the next day. That's what it can feel like, and it's not anything to be ashamed of. It's just the way that the world goes, and we begin to lose that sense of mystery. And on top of that, we live in a time when we have information overload. Like, we have access to all sorts of information about anything you could ever want to know about. Uh, reviews about every single restaurant you can imagine. Uh, trailers for every movie. You can listen to a podcast about a book and then never actually read the book and have conversations with people that read the book as if you read the book because you listened to the podcast that talked about the book, right? Like we have so much information. Or you can learn about therapeutic techniques on Instagram and not implement them into your life, but you're somehow an expert on the therapeutic technique, right? You can plan an entire vacation and know all the reviews on every place you're going to go to and never not have a great meal. But here's my, this is my opinion. You might disagree. I think that part of the magic of a great meal is when it surprises you. And if you never have a bad meal, then I think it robs you of that experience of having that great meal that you weren't 
sure was going to be that great. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you're the review, um, you know, yellow, uh, you know, whatever. You, like, go online and you, what, what is it called? Why did it escape my mind? Yelp. I was close. I was saying yellow pages, and I was like, yellow pages, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was Yelp. You, you're the Yelp review person. Um, but I, I feel like it, it, you know, that surprise, that, that magic where you're just like, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. I didn't think it'd be that amazing. Another example of, uh, to quote the author again, a breaking experience for me. Um, this is slightly a slight tangent, but we'll come back to Christmas for a second. Uh, was going to the Grand Canyon. Has anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? Okay. We, we parked, like, pretty close. So the moment you walk out of your car, you're already seeing just how massive it is. And I was just in complete awe of the Grand Canyon, just this, this huge huge uh, thing. And this is, as I was talking about this magic thing, Krista and I, my wife, we were having this conversation, and she came up with this, so, um, you know, I'm crediting her right now, sources cited. Um, this, is not <laughs> this is not plagiarism. Um, your, your credit is given. Uh, but she, she was talking about, imagine if we were at the Grand Canyon, and someone came up to us, and they started to explain the brain chemistry of all in wonder and why beauty is just a set of signals in our brain. Like, that's not what we're there to do, right? Like, we're not there to know information about why this is beautiful and awe-inspiring. We're there to experience it. Now, as a science teacher, I would love that. That would be interesting to me. I would eat it up because it's fascinating. Just think about how our brain works. But that's not why you go to the Grand Canyon. You go to the Grand Canyon to experience what's happening. Uh, another example of um, sort of what I'm talking about was on that same trip, we went to this other place called Antelope Canyon. And Antelope Canyons, yes, it's wonderful. Um, highly recommend. Um, Antelope Canyon is like a set of slot canyons that are in Arizona, and they were basically created by wind. And it's really cool. It's like super colorful and, and like really cool shapes and everything. Uh, but because it's, it's on, on indigenous land, the only way that you can get to it is to take guided tours. Now, for that trip, unlike the Grand Canyon where we parked and then walked and we were just there, just observing, nobody was talking to us, we were just witnessing nature, the entire time you're getting all these facts and figures about Antelope Canyon, which was great. It was still beautiful, but it wasn't that same experience because most of the time we were sitting there just hearing these facts and information about this place. It made it a little bit less magical. S so how do we lose that sense of magic? It's life events that shape us. Maybe it's really painful things. Like Ben was talking about, for some people, this time's actually really difficult because this is the time when you remember that person that's not there anymore or um, where just certain painful things come up because you compare yourself and your experiences to other people. Um, whether it's life events, whether it's the nature of getting older, having more responsibility, or like I said, the world that we live in with this plethora of information, we can lose that sense of that magic or that mystery or the sacred. I'm using multiple words because they all kind of connect and relate to each other. And I think that's especially true uh, for those of us who have a complicated relationship with religion. Because 
as we become adults, sometimes religion can be like the last remaining beacon of magic in our lives. Like it can be that last thing that gives us that sense of awe and wonder about something beyond ourselves. And it totally makes sense why some people say, F it, like religion is not for me. Um, You know, it's hurt people or I don't agree with it um, or I'm frustrated with how people within religion treat other people. And yet, regardless of where we're at with this whole religious thing, I want to invite you for a moment to dive into the Christmas story um, as this invitation that is universal, an invitation to reclaim that magic once again. And that poem that Katia read, we heard a first-person perspective of uh, these people in the Christmas story called the Magi. Uh, so the Magi were essentially, and I really liked it, uh, just a side note, because it was like, oh, yeah, um, we tell this story in such a magical way. Like, these Magi traveled, and it's, like, so wonderful and awesome, and they brought all these gifts, and it's like, no, they had to go to inns. They had to, like, travel through sand. Like, it was messy. They had to, like, pay people to get information. Like, it wasn't this just, like, they just transported from one place to another. It was real and raw. And so thank you, Katia, for uh, reading that poem. But these magi were essentially these astrologists who studied stars. They spent their time in libraries. They were learning all sorts of information. And basically the running theory about these magi is, is they were these, like, upper-class, wealthy, star-watching celebrity priests, um, which sounds kind of nice. Like, I'm like, how do you get that gig? Um, um, And then they see this unusual star in the West, and uh, sorry if those of you are, like, you know, are are nerds, um, you know, uh, astrology nerds here, I might say some wrong things, but this is my best attempt. Maybe, you know, it was a supernova. Maybe it was a conjunction of planets, or maybe, as the story says, it was a supernatural event. Any of one of those things could be the case. But what's interesting is that instead of staying in their study, learning about facts and figures about this star, the Magi decide to make the long and treacherous journey to follow it. And it eventually brings them to a child. And this child represents the meeting of the seen and the unseen the mystery and the tangible, the facts and figures, and the awe-inspiring beauty that you cannot explain or put words to, the meeting of the magical and the practical. In Christian jargon, we use the word incarnation, or Emmanuel, God with us, this representation that God and thus love, goodness, beauty is with us, all around us. It never left us. It's the revelation of a profound truth. Again, not a truth as in facts, but this truth that connects us together and that reminds us that in this massive, mostly empty universe made of quantum particles and gravitational forces, that we are not alone. We may not know what compelled the Magi to go on the journey, but we can gather from the story that it changed them. So much so that they decided to risk their lives. They disobeyed the king who wanted to kill the child, and instead they went on a whole nother path and never reported back. And they basically risked their entire existence. Like this whole celebrity status they had 
probably wouldn't exist anymore because this king had the power to take that away from them because they dis- they disobeyed him. And sometimes that's what magic does. Magic moves within us in such a way that it transforms how we view the world and it leads us to make hard decisions for the good of others. And I think what this story can do for us is to provide us an invitation to participate because that's what the Magi did. They participated. To participate in the sorts of things that renew that sense of magic, that spirit, to get swept up by the stories and for the moments to let go of the need for the stories to necessarily be true, but to just experience the beauty of what they are. Like that's what parents do, right? Parents suspend disbelief around this time because in doing so, you actually experience all this magic. I think as adults, uh, the analogy I thought about is that we have trouble sometimes playing with a stick and pretending it's a lightsaber because we're like, no, it's a stick. Sometimes you just got to let the stick be a lightsaber. Just let the magic be magic. And especially for those of us who maybe consider ourselves spiritual but not religious or maybe we're in that deconstructing faith community, we can spend a lot of time trying to make sense of what we think about God or the world or the Bible and we can miss out on participating in the wonderful and beautiful sacred things, the magic, because sometimes we just intellectualize it but we never leave the study and just go on the journey, the messy journey of walking through the sand and you know through the snow i don't i don't really know if there was snow that's the one thing that i'm like i don't know about that that poem talked about snow um but whatever um sherbert too i don't know if they had sherbert um that's interesting <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, enjoy the magic i'm sorry i'm robbing it yeah <laughs> that's good that's good so so i'll 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 leave i'll leave you with this i invite you to be open to the magic especially during this season, but more often in our lives. The magic that uh, we once were so amazed by and aware of as children, the magic that's all around us, to be open to the ways that life might surprise you. Go to a restaurant, don't read the Yelp reviews. Just go and try it and see what happens. It might suck, I'm sorry, but it might surprise you as well. The magic is all around us, and every once in a while, it might surprise us. So I'll leave you with that. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace and blessings, everyone.